Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Could we just give a warm Zealand welcome to Dale Stewart? Thanks, brother. I was telling Jeremy, I met him today, I said, I was just looking through old video. <clears throat> a lot of you are on old video, so uh, that's when video was video <clears throat> and not digital. But uh, I, got a, I got a video of Jeremy playing guitar and Selwyn Schultz. I don't know if any of you know Selwyn Schultz was playing his harmonica, and we were doing a little blues uh, thing on a Friday night. So uh, we, should, we should reenact that a little bit, I think, get you out there. So, Well, it's good to be back here with you in, uh, in warm Zealand, Michigan. So uh, <clears throat> it's not bad. I'm glad you brought snow. We don't have snow in Montana this year, believe it or not. So it's, uh, I think you've got more today than, than we've had all year. But uh, it was 22 below zero when we left Thursday morning, uh, but it's, it's, it's warm enough. So you get, that's, we've just followed the cold weather here, but I think it's going to be up in the 50s or so uh, back home and like we're going to get this week. So, uh, but it's, it's good to be here. I want to introduce, if, if you don't know me, uh, Dale Stewart. I grew up in this church. I caused a lot of havoc in this church. Uh, my dad was a pastor here back when I was in uh, high school. And so this is kind of home for me. And, and I recognize a lot of you and, and I don't recognize a lot of you. And the other part of you, I forgot who you are. So I'm just at that age. I'll re-recognize you once you introduce yourself to me. But uh, <clears throat> this is, this is kind of home uh, to me. So it's, uh, it's kind of special to always come back here. And uh, so I did bring some family with me. Our family is shrinking. So, well, the ones we have are growing, but they're getting married and moving away. But I've got my wife, Jill, here with, uh, with it. You want to stand up? Should we do that? That's customary. So that's my wife, Jill, there. <clears throat> She needs a bigger applause than that, what she's got to live with. But, uh, <clears throat> but if that's all you can do on a Sunday morning. And then uh, I've got uh, Jacoli here as our youngest daughter. So she's here, soon to be a teenager in another couple of weeks. So uh, be praying for us on that one. And then uh, Dakota. <clears throat> He's a little... <clears throat> He loves to get up and in, in front of people and talk. So uh, that's him. And then, uh, so uh, Dayton is uh, back home. He's, uh, he's 18 years old and uh, he, he didn't want to make the trip. He's got some things going on there and uh, just finished up. Uh, he just is now an official EMT, finished his course. So he's looking to get into the fire service and be a, a fire EMT. And uh, if you want a job this summer, come to Montana and fight fire. We are going to be the whole west side of the country is going to be burning this year. So uh, if you want an exciting job, talk to me about that. But then we've got our son, uh, Deacon, who is, uh, what is he, 21 now? 22, almost 22 there. He's in the Marine Corps down in California, 29 Palms. He'll be moving to uh, Fort Leonard Wood in Missouri to be an instructor, as a truck driving instructor. That's his MOS. So uh, excited about that. And then we've got our three older girls, uh, Jacelyn and Jory and Jalisa. See, got to come on. So uh, <clears throat> they were here when we were here. Those was uh, the only three uh, kids we had when we before we moved to Montana. So, but they're uh, they're all at home. They're married. Uh, see, Jacelyn and Jory both had babies this summer, and so uh, they're doing well. And Jalisa 
they have three children now, and they're in the process of moving. They were working at a ranch, and, and uh, that concludes at the end of this month. And so uh, her husband just took a new job. They're going to be moving up into Butte. So he's got an interesting job. I don't know. Technically, I don't know what he does, but untechnically, he goes, his company goes into where they drill oil wells, and they have to seal them, so he sprays spray foam down there to seal up the crack. So uh, that's uh, it's nothing like that, but that's how I explain it. So it's uh, <clears throat> so he's traveling all over the country now. So uh, that keeps him keeps him busy. But they're in the process of moving to to Butte. So uh, busy, busy time. And we have a little guy here. Uh, his name is Kenny. Some of you know Kenny that uh, been here. He's a little foster boy that we've had. He's three years old. We've had him for about two, almost two and a half years now. And so uh, be praying for Kenny in, in that situation. We may soon be parents of a three-year-old. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the state decides on that. And so uh, then, then we'll start getting real old. So <clears throat> any, anybody have uh, three-year-olds? Three-year-olds? None of you? All right. So, oh, a couple of you. Any of you three-year-olds and almost 60? <clears throat> None of you. All right. I don't advise it, but it's God. God, he's a funny guy sometimes. All right. He gives you adventure. But, but that's, uh, that's our family. I got Jill's mother here, uh, Alma, and then Jill's brother and his wife, John and uh, uh, Margaret there. They're from the area here. So they came over to visit with us today. So good to be here. So I'm glad uh, Jeremy kind of mentioned, uh, you know, when we left here, 22 years ago already, 22, now Sir Jill says 23, 23 going on that we left here, uh, and it's uh, kind of a, I say this every time I'm here, kind of a, a surreal time to be up here on this platform, you know, because this where, right here, this is where my dad stood, well, maybe back here a ways, I think you built out the, <clears throat> built out there, but my dad stood here and preached for for a lot of years, and and uh, and we sat uh, at that time. This the side things weren't here. The auditorium was just to these pillars here. So we usually sat right about where Mark is. That was our our family row. And so that's when I that's when I first got an understanding of Baptist churches because uh, they always asked the high school kids to be the ushers on Sunday nights. And so you do not change people's places. <clears throat> If you usher a uh, little old lady down and somebody is in her spot, oh boy, uh, she makes a move. She makes a move. And so that was our spot right there. And uh, so it, it's kind of nice to be up here uh, in the same spot. But you know, it was 23 years ago, and I was just looking at the book not that long ago that you guys made for us on our, our commissioning service. And right here, Pastor Mike. And the deacons, and a young Dale and Jill at that time, and three three little girls right here, and uh, you know Pastor Mike. Wow! If you ever knew Pastor Mike, you know that big wow he always he always gave. And so uh, you know this church does have a lot of special meaning to us, and uh, we we consider this home, and uh, and so we're so appreciative of of a lot of you. Well, all of you really, but. You know, a lot of you invested your lives uh, into our life uh, when we were here as our youth leaders and Sunday school teachers and, and uh, you know, just, just people of influence in, in my life as a little kid running around. And then uh, growing up, getting married, being involved in ministry here, 
and partnered with a lot of you. And then uh, as we left here 23 years ago to move out to Montana, uh, you have supported us, uh, you know, uh, emotionally and, and financially and, and just the encouragement and the trips that you make out and the letters that you write and the, the Christmas cards that we get from you to keep up uh, on your families every year. And so that just a little connection back to home. And so we're, we really do appreciate that. You are, you are family to us. So uh, it is it is good to be be back here. I uh, just want to challenge you, encourage you today, and then challenge you, and then give you some stories of what uh, uh, what goes on on a typical day, which there is no typical day in in Montana, like there's no typical day here. Uh, but you know, I one thing growing up in a pastor's family, it was always fun to have a missions conference because uh, you know you, you get these missionaries from these faraway places, and they always always have fun stories. And uh, and at least growing up, there was always no matter what missionary it was, they always had a table in the back, and they always had this big snakeskin laid on the table, you know. And so <clears throat> I don't know, even you know, like. Somebody from a place with no snakes. I don't know if they, they bought snakes and just would lay it out on the table. There was always a snake. So I don't have a snake with me today. Uh, you're going to have to talk to the Van Dort family. They came out and killed all our snakes this year. So uh, I think Ben and uh, Samantha have a snake. And uh, uh, Travis, did you get a snake when you were out there? What's the problem? What's the problem? <clears throat> that's it so uh if you want to kill rattlesnakes we got rattlesnakes we killed 11 of them this year and uh three right on the camp property that was fun little kids are water sliding and they're like i think we hear some rattling they heard some rattling so it's this rattlesnake on the water slide so uh come to come to camp it's just not your normal city camp all right you come and uh, water slide and chase the rattlesnakes with you but Hey, I want to challenge you a little bit today and then, and then share some stories. If you got a Bible, I want you to turn to the Old Testament, Exodus, all right? And uh, <clears throat> interesting, uh, Exodus chapter, oh, let's start in chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. <clears throat> Because this is what, what God does to us a lot of times, is what he did to a gentleman here by the name of <clears throat> Moses. All right? And uh, so in Exodus 25, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering. Every man that giveth it willingly, with his heart, you shall take my offering. And then why did he want to take an offering? Go down to verse 8. It says this, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. All right, you guys are in a little, I see some flags around here and stuff. You're in the middle of a, like a little building project or, or something. And uh, I remember when this <clears throat> little square room, we said, hey, we want to build a gym and we want to uh, make these wings out a little bit. That was a building project. In fact, it was during that time we were uh, <clears throat> redoing this whole uh, auditorium here. So all of the benches were taken out and all the carpet was, uh, was tore up and there's just cement floor and they're putting the beams in here and building this. And so we were having our services uh, over once we got, well, remember we went over to uh, one of the other churches and had our services in the afternoon. Remember that people that were here that we did, we shared a church and uh, but then we got the gym built and we were having services over there and it was the uh, New Year's Eve service in the gym that that's when God really spoke to my heart and says, Dale, I need you to go out to Montana. 
It was right, right over there in the, in the gym there on a New Year's Eve. And so that's when, when God spoke to me. So you know about building projects. So God comes to Moses. He says, hey, tell all the people you're going to build me a sanctuary. You're going to build me a temple. You're going to build me a place that I can have a permanent uh, residence at. How many of you love building projects? It's exciting. You do? Get this guy's name, man. He's on the committee right here. So <clears throat> put him to work. All right. Uh, building projects can be, um, <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're exciting. They're exciting sometimes. But it's interesting. God tells Moses, you're going to build a sanctuary. That's kind of scary in itself. God came down and told somebody what he was going to do. All right, and that's a, that's a key point I want to get to a little later, all right? God came down and told Moses, this is what I'm going to have you do. And then if you go through the next chapters, you go through chapter 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31, all of these chapters, if you can't sleep at night, read these chapters. It is all, it is all of the details. I mean, you just go through... Uh, thou shalt make a, a table of shittim wood. Two pu- cubics shall be the length thereof, and a cubic the breadth thereof, and a cubic and a half thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twin linen, and blue and purple and scarlet with cherubims. Thou shalt make an altar of wood, five cubics long, five cubics broad. The altar shall be four square. Thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four horns thereof. Horns shall be the same. I mean, just detail, 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 detail. How do you think Moses was feeling about right now? I mean, he told, God told him what kind of fabric he's going to use, what the thread count on the fabric was going to be, what the color of it was going to be, what the length it was going to be, what the height it was going to be, all of these details. Now, if God came to you and he said, I want you to build me a new church building, and he gave you, this is the bricks, this is the stone, this is the lumber, this is the every little thing, how would you feel about that? Excited? Nervous? I don't know, but it's interesting. But then go to, go to verse or chapter 31. So he just did five chapters of all of these details. And then in chapter 31, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, after he gave him all these details, he says this. He says, See, I have called by name Bezael, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the son of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. To devise cunning works, to work in gold, to work in silver, to work in brass, in the cutting of stones to set them, in the carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And behold, I have given him, with him, I'm bad with names, all right, these guys here, out of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise hearted, I have put wisdom that what? What's it say? That they may make all that I have commanded you. And that's the, that's the key here. God is always calling us to do something for him. And I think Jeremy hit it on the head here today. Our job is to make disciples. What's a disciple? Anybody? I love to get definition. What's a disciple? Scream it out. Follower of God. 
believer, what? A disciplined one. All right, anybody on this side? This is like the left side, right? A fisherman, okay, a fisherman. Oh, by the way, speaking of fisher, in Montana. No, that's a different, <clears throat> that's a different story. We could get your fishers of men. We were on a canoe trip one time. We have a, one of our weeks of camp. We do a, a canoe down the, down the Beaverhead River, the same, same river Lewis and Clark came up 200 years ago. And so we take high school kids down there. And, and uh, we've had these canoes now, uh, same canoes for 25 years. And they have been in every letter shape of the alphabet over those years. And just uh, they get ripped up and torn and tipped upside down and wrapped around bridges and, and trees and everything. And we pound them, and, uh, and uh, Samantha knows we, uh, we weld them back together. Plastic welding is a, is a sport there in Montana with our canoes. But we had, uh, we had a couple of girls that were in a canoe. They tipped their canoe over, and we float down to a, to a, a takeout and then wait, and we make sure everybody's there. This group didn't come down. This group didn't come down, didn't come down. Pretty soon, here comes a fishing raft because uh, it's, a, it's a big fly fishing river. And so here comes a fishing raft with these two, like, now don't get me wrong when I say this, but these two gorgeous guys with no shirts and tan skin. I mean, somebody else told me they were gorgeous. I didn't call them that, but <clears throat> all right. Long, long flowing hair, you know? And then there's our two little camp girls sitting on the raft, just like, <clears throat> and I'm like, Ugh. and so uh, they had tipped their canoe over, got it stuck under some bushes and these, uh, these fishermen had picked them up. And I'm like, uh-huh. And they're like, well, Dale, you told us to be fishers of men. I was like, <clears throat> bad camp story there. <clears throat> bad camp story. But uh, I said, okay, let's go get your canoe. But uh, on the river. <clears throat> but you know, God has called us to build and make disciples. All right. Learners, students of, of the gospel. Now there's a lot of ways to do that. God doesn't say this is only one way to do that. There's a lot of, a lot of methods that we can use. All right, and, and God is always calling us to that end. Whatever gifts he's given us, whatever talents he's given us, whatever uh, resources he's given us in our, in our particular areas, he says, you know, the whole goal is for you to use those resources to make disciples. All right, and, and the key here, he's, he's building, he called Moses, and he says, I want you to build a sanctuary. So that I can dwell among the people. And then he gave them all these details. You know, and, and so a lot of people say, well, we have to, if we're Christians, we just have to live on blind faith. God will just tell us to do something and then uh, we just have to figure it out on our own. You know, a lot of times God will call us and not give us the details. But the key is he always has the details figured out. He will never just say go and good luck, you're on your own. All right, he gave detail, 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 detail. And then when Moses was feeling like, holy smokes, how can I do all this? What did he do? And he says, I have already, I have already given wisdom and strength and power to the people that are going to do this for you. He already had it figured out. You know, the, the key here is God's going to do what God wants to do. You go back to Isaiah and, and there's verses there that says, and God says, I will do something and it will be done because I have spoken it. Whatever God wants done, God's going to get done. Whether you participate in that or not, uh, God's going to get his will done. And so, <clears throat> you know, Jeremy talking about making disciples, 
Here's, here's what I want you to, to, to think about. And I've been reading this book. Maybe some of you have read it. Uh, I'm rereading it. It's by uh, Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. Has anybody read that book? Uh, it's an old, it's an older book. And so I'm, I'm rereading it again. And uh, it's interesting how you can read something a couple of times and, and it doesn't speak to you. And then all of a sudden you read something. It's like, wow, where'd this come from? And, and, and one of the concepts that uh, Blackaby talks about uh, and that I'm experiencing and, and want to get across today is that God is always at work in this world. He's always at work in this world. He's always doing something. And then he invites us to come along and be involved in that. And so, so the challenge is, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of examples in, in God's word of that, is that are we just sensitive to, to look around and see what God's doing? And then join him in that? And, and this was a, a revelation to me just this last year. Uh, it's interesting. A lot of times we get into this idea that we have to invent a way to do some work for God. We have to come up with a plan. We have to come up with a, an idea. All right? And, and it's kind of silly to think that, you know, when, when really we should be looking around and saying, where's God at work? Where is God doing a, a work? And can I join him in that? Because then that takes the focus off of us. What can I come up with? What can I scheme up? What program can I come up with? What, what ministry can I invent to do something for God? Or I can look around and say, hey, where's God working? And then I can join him in that. Puts a, puts a focus on God. I mean, think about that. If you go to school, if you're a high school, middle school, high school students here. All right. Go to school this week. Go to school. You got school this week? No snow days? All right. Go to school this week. All right. And just look around. And can you pick out a place in your student body that, that God's working? Well, what does that look like? Is there somebody sitting by themselves going through a bad time? Is there somebody that maybe just, just asks you a question about a spiritual thing? Maybe like, hey, did you go to church? Somebody asks you that. Hey, do you go to church? Hey, I had this thought. That's God working. That's God speaking into somebody's life. You know, and, it, and it's, Jeremy mentioned this too. You know, we went out 23 years ago to work at Clark Canyon Bible Camp. It was a small Bible camp, 13 acres of ground. It was running two weeks out of the year. And, uh, and like I said, they had um, a caretaker, family, husband and wife, the Orr family that was, was taking care of the camp and doing all the maintenance. And it was at that New Year's Eve service over there in the gym that it was announced that, that Howard Orr was having some, some kidney problems and he wouldn't be able to work at camp anymore. He had to move uh, to a big city so he could have dialysis every day. And it was through that God spoke to me and said, Dale, that's where I want you to go. And it was interesting. My whole vision, I was working at the SQA, Herman Miller, uh, doing pretty well there. And my whole vision was, I'm gonna, we're going to go there and, and maybe go just take some vacation, take all my vacation and go out there for four or five or six weeks, help them run camp, and then, uh, and then shut it down and come back home. And I called the mission board and, and I said, I'm feeling God calling us out there. And they were so excited. They're like, oh, praise God, you're an answer to prayer, which nobody had ever said that to me before. So I was kind of excited about that. <clears throat> I was like, that. And, uh, and I said, oh, okay. And they said, we've been praying for somebody to come out here full time to, to run the camp and build it into a year-round ministry. 
And I was like, oh, this is exciting. And I said, woo-wee. And then I uh, talked to Jill, and she's like, oh, boy. <clears throat> uh, and uh, she had never been to Montana. I'd been there on a couple of mission trips. Um, but it was interesting. They had a need out there at this small little Bible camp, and they had been praying for God to, to, to direct somebody out there. I had no idea about that, and God was directing me to go out there, Jill and I, all right, and how he worked out all the details on both ends. And now we've been out there 23 years. All right. And that was it. Like I said, Jill wasn't super excited about going out there. She had never been to Montana. And uh, that was when I got some of the, some of the best advice ever. And it was from, uh, from, from coach who I called coach pastor Mike. He, uh, he brought me in and he says, Dale, let me give you some advice. And he said this, and I've, I've given this advice to a lot of people. He says, if, if you're married and you're, and you're a couple, he says, God will call both of you. Not just one of you. He says, it's not a matter of just, you know, woman submit. It says that in the Bible somewhere somehow and mix the words up and make it do, do what you want to do. He says, if God's calling you out there, he'll call you out there together. And he did. Joe and I made a trip out there and God confirmed in Jill's spirit that that's where we need to go. And, uh, and we, we, we've been out there. And so we started out with, uh, with running the Clark Canyon Bible Camp, uh, building that program up, doing a lot of facility maintenance on the, on the property. The property was never designed to run throughout the winter. And so everything was shallow. And so our first winter, we figured that out. I mean, uh, there was no septic tank on the whole property. There was just a Montana fishing hole <clears throat> right out there. It just went into a big tank, a big hole in the ground. And, and, uh, and so we did a lot of facility work out there. But, uh, but God, in his, uh, uh, in his uh, comedy kind of way, how he speaks to people, he's, uh, he's let our ministry grow and, and let us get involved in a lot of things. You know, when we got out there, we, we started attending a small church, the Lima Community Church. Some of you have been there in Lima, Montana, the center of the earth. No, it is. I'm telling you, you don't know this, and, and not too many people do, but you can take a globe and you can start in Lima, Montana. And you can go all the way around the world this way and end up back there. Or you can go all the way around this way and end up back in Lima, Montana. So it's the center, center of the world right there. And so uh, we'll have bumper stickers later on that. <clears throat> all right. We started going to the church there. The church had a pastor. Uh, unbeknownst to us, he was in the process of leaving. Um, I don't know if that had to do with us or not, but <clears throat> he was in the process of leaving. So they asked me, they said, hey, could you fill in till we, till we get another pastor? And I'm like, sure, you know, a couple of weeks. No, that was two and a half years. And so as an interim pastor, two and a half years there. And so I uh, talked to my dad a lot about during that in a couple of years. Uh, oh, dad, what's a pastor like? Uh, you know, uh, it was interesting that we, we moved there in October. We came back here in May for a, a friend's wedding. And we went back there. And uh, the first Sunday of June, I was going to start preaching there. And some lady comes up to me, lady I didn't know. And she goes, oh, Pastor Dale. I already got the title. She's like, I'm so glad you're going to be doing the ceremony. And I'm like, what ceremony? She goes, oh, my daughter's wedding. Oh, okay. She goes, yeah, the other pastor said he talked to you and it was all set. I'm like, mm, never heard about that. I said, when's the wedding? Oh, it's in two weeks. Okay, who's your daughter? Oh, this is my daughter right here. Okay. So I said, well, one, I'm not really a pastor. I'm just a filling guy. And I said, two, I don't know if it's legal if I can even do a wedding. You know, I'm, I'm not ordained or anything. And she's like, oh, okay. I said, I'll check it out. 
Uh, so I quick call my dad. I'm like, hey, do you have a wedding ceremony? Like, on, <clears throat> you know, this was before digital age texting. I said, you got something you could mail me? He's like, yeah, I got a copy. So he mails me that. I go into the courthouse and I'm like, hey, I'm Dale. I'm nobody. Uh, am I allowed to do a wedding? And they're like, oh, yes, Montana. Anybody can sign a paper. So it's like, all right, we're good to go. <clears throat> good to go. So <clears throat> he, uh, we had the next week we had... Um, uh, a horse camp that we were doing. We took uh, with Chris and, and Mel Montgomery, we took their horses up in the mountains. We did a, a wilderness camp. And so uh, we were going up there that next Monday, going to come back Friday. And so then the wedding rehearsal was supposed to be Friday and, and then the wedding Saturday. So Jill and I rode out early in Friday. And so I'm there and I'm, you know, camping out for a week, no showers on horses, you know, got that typical mountain smell to you. And I show up at the church and, uh, you know, there's horse trailers and pickups and everything. And I'm like, oh, I fit in. And so I opened the church app and I think they thought I was the janitor or something, you know, because then the people walk in and, and so this mom is there and she goes, oh, hi, Pastor Dale. I said, hello. And then her daughter's there. And then there's some tall guy I'd never met. And she goes, oh, and this is the guy I'm marrying. I'm like, okay. So I said, well, let's go through a little rehearsal. So I've been, you know, through wedding rehearsals before. And, and so I said, well, do you want to have, are you going to have some people? How many people are you going to have standing up there? And they're like, should we have people? I'm like, well, you don't have to, but oh, okay. Well, I said, you know, are you going to have somebody sing? And they're like, should we? And then what was it? There's a third question, something. And they're like, I said, oh, so you haven't thought about this at all. They're like, well, no, we thought you had it. I'm like, okay. So then we became a wedding planner. <clears throat> all right. We sent everybody down for cookies and we planned a wedding. And so uh, uh, that was fun. So that was my, uh, my first wedding. There were more horse trailers in the parking lot than there were cars in the parking lot. I said, we're in Montana now. And so uh, uh, I've done probably about 30, officiated about 30 weddings now, and, and not too many of them have been too different of that, all right? It's just like, I want to spend the rest of my life with this man, and I haven't given a second of a thought to uh, the wedding at all. That's just the way, the way it is. But uh, I enjoy uh, a, a great time. I always, I kind of have a couple of rules, uh, you know, for, um, for weddings. And, uh, and I like to meet with a couple ahead of time. And I kind of talk to them about the five stressors of, of marriage. You know, one is your wife. <clears throat> and uh, did I hear an amen? Travis. <clears throat> <clears throat> I, do, I do marriage counseling. <clears throat> but, you know, one of, one of the stressors, really, and, it, and it's true, is if you... If you do not have the same, and I say it because everybody understands it, the, the same faith, all right, the same religion. I, I, one of my rules is I won't marry a Christian to a non-Christian. I think that's biblical. I'll marry two non-Christians. Uh, they're, they're not unequally yoked. I'll marry two Christians, but uh, I think the, the Bible's clear on that. But I say, you know, if you, if you grew up different, different faiths, uh, that could cause a stressor. And so, you know, and I go over my rules. And so that's really opened up a lot of opportunity. They're like, well, what do you mean by Christian? You know, and I explain the gospel and I really get a chance to, to meet with these couples and, and explain the gospel to them. So it's a, a great ministry there doing that. Um, I get involved in a lot of funerals too. Uh, God allowed me to become the, uh, the law enforcement chaplain of Beaverhead County in 2011. And so that has morphed. Uh, uh, my whole ministry is a morphing ministry. It's just you start out with one thing and it grows into 
into other things. And so uh, I've been the chaplain since 2011. The sheriff's department asked me if I would come on and serve as a reserve deputy. And I said, sure, that sounds like fun. Give me more time to ride with the officers. Uh, and then the, the city, we have a, Dylan has a city uh, police department too. And so they asked me, they said, hey, would you like to be a part-time police officer? And I'm like, sure, that would, that would be fun too. And so I'm a chaplain and I'm a reserve deputy and I'm a part-time police officer. And, uh, and so that gets me into a lot of interesting situations, some fun and some uh, not so fun. Uh, but it gives me time to spend with the officers and minister to them. And uh, on those long night rides that we don't have a lot of activity going on, uh, a lot of family issues. Uh, but I get called to do from our corner, I get the call to do a lot of uh, uh, funerals for people that don't have uh, any church connections there. And so a lot of ministering takes place there that I get to, to meet with grieving families. Um, you know, Dylan's not really friendly to Christian folk, <clears throat> uh, especially on the police side. I think I told this story the last time I was here, but we were, uh, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a call of a guy uh, that had just trying to check into a motel in Dillon, and he was using the name Jesus. And so Jesus was trying to check into a motel in Dillon, Montana. I don't know if you <clears throat> knew that or not. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, so uh, they called the officers over there and said, we got a crazy guy trying to check in. They didn't believe he was Jesus. And so um, they went over there, uh, but then found out that this guy had just uh, murdered somebody up in, uh, in another part of Montana and was uh, running down to escape. And so that ended up in a shootout. Our officers actually shot this guy and killed him right in front of Dairy Queen. <clears throat> Not that that has anything to do with it, but... Uh, uh, you know, then I get called in. I wasn't on that call, but I get called in to minister to the uh, to the officers. And so, how do you minister to officers? Uh, just uh, uh, a shot a guy, and uh, and so God has just enabled me to to have that black sense of humor, that dark dark side a little bit. And I said, they're like, Chappie, you got to help us. They call me Chappie. I'm like, I don't think I can help you guys. And they're like, Chappie, come on, we need you. I said, I, I can't help you. They're like, Why? I said, You just shot Jesus. I'm like, who am I supposed to go to? All right, so <clears throat> that broke the ice a little bit. They still talk about that. Uh, but just this, uh, just this past, uh, about two months ago, I was on, uh, on a day shift with the city, and, uh, and we got called to a crazy guy at our local quality home supply store. I was like, uh, so we go there, and who do we arrest? John the Baptist. <clears throat> so there's a crazy guy who's claiming he's John the Baptist and we arrest him because he was breaking into people's houses and prophesying against their activities in the house. So, <clears throat> yeah. So we did not shoot John the Baptist. <clears throat> we, uh, we arrested John the Baptist, brought him into, uh, into jail. He was high on meth. And so literally, you can, you can check this out, four hours, four hours, he stood in our suicide jail cell, screaming at the top of his lungs, preaching, I'm John the Baptist, and you guys need to listen to me. And all the other inmates are like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the jailers, I'm like, I went down to the jailers. I'm like, you guys been in church lately? They're like, nope. I said, you're Making up for it today, all right there. So this guy was, <clears throat> you know, we we got this suicide smock. It's a real. It's like a shipping blanket, you know. And you make a robe out of it. It's supposed to put those in there so you won't hurt yourself. And he wouldn't get dressed. He wouldn't get dressed. So I thought I'd try the chaplain thing. And I walked down. I'm like, hey, you're John the Baptist, right? He goes, yeah, I'm John the Baptist. I said, aren't you supposed to have a a, a, a vest of of camel hair and stuff? He goes, yeah, that's right. I said, well, right there it is. Put it on. He goes, oh yeah. He's like. 
you're trying to cheat me, and all. And then he went back to preaching. And so <clears throat> John the Baptist and Jesus come to, to Dillon, Montana. So there's some crazy things going out there. But, you know, so it's, a, it, it's a great opportunity for me. Uh, and, I, and I love it. And I say it in a, a weird way. You know, usually when they call the chaplain, it's during a bad time, all right? During somebody, somebody's family got killed or, or died or, or some bad situation. And so I really, I enjoy being involved in, in people's toughest time of their life because I know I care and I know there's an opportunity to, to share the gospel and not just, you know, take the big Bible and thump it over their head, but just come alongside of them and, and, and walk alongside of them and help them through, you know? And it's, uh, to me, I, I enjoy that. It's kind of, a, kind of a weird thing to say, but uh, a, lot of, a lot of ministry happens there at people's, you know, tough times. And a lot of you have been through those, you know, you've, you've lost a family member, maybe tragically or uh, maybe an illness, maybe through COVID, whatever it is. And you know, you know that, uh, that ache that goes on in your heart. And so to have somebody there that actually cares and actually has the truth that can, that can share that with you, um, you know, is important. You know, I told, this, I told this story the last time I was here, <clears throat> and there's a continuing part of this. You know, I was on uh, a day shift patrol as a, as a city officer, and um, I'm going down the road, and it's a 25-mile-an-hour zone, and here comes a car 42 miles an hour. So I light him up, spin around, I follow him. The guy's not stopping, not stopping, not stopping. Goes for about a half a mile, pulls into the parking lot of, uh, <clears throat> of our uh, uh, Pharma Fleet store there. All right? And he gets out, and I'm like, hey, do you see the flashy lights? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I was just uh, coming to pick up my girlfriend. And I said, well, you were going a little fast. I said, I need to see your license, registration. Well, he didn't have his license. It was, uh, it was expired. And then I'm starting to smell a little alcohol in his breath. And I'm like, have you been drinking? Of course, what's his answer? No. <clears throat> all right. So uh, I haven't been through all the DUI uh, training yet. So I called the other officer over to, to come over and do the, the DUI part. You know, the, just take the steps and, and do, I can do this. I can't do this, but <clears throat> you'll understand as a chaplain. But <clears throat> all right. And um, so they're dealing with that. And I, I talked to the guy a little bit and he says, yeah, he says, I was, uh, we live outside of town a couple miles. I was here to pick up my girlfriend. So she wouldn't have to walk home, and she must have uh, started walking. So they're processing him. Uh, we ended up arresting this guy for a DUI, and I said, well, I'll go, I'll go pick up your girlfriend and bring her back to the truck so she can drive home. So I went through town, found her walking, brought her back to the truck. Uh, nice, nice young lady. She worked at a store. I knew, knew her, and uh, she said they were going to get married in the next year, and, uh, and she was a little concerned about his drinking problem. I'm like, mm, yeah, I noticed that. And so I gave her a little advice. I was like, well, maybe you should figure that out, you know, before you, you make a commitment. And so uh, <clears throat> she got in the truck and she went home. I, uh, I went to the jail, went downstairs where they're processing this guy. And he's, he was a nice gentleman. And, uh, and so uh, then they're, they always uh, have fun with me. They always introduce me as the, as the God guy to all the prisoners, you know, and, and things like that. We have a little fun with that. And so the, this guy's, you know, oh yeah, I'm supposed to get married. And I really have a drink, <clears throat> excuse me, a little drinking problem. And uh, so the guy's like, oh, maybe you should talk to the God guy, you know, and he'll give you some advice. And so I give him a little fatherly advice and he's standing there like this. And he, he goes, oh, you're a chaplain, huh? I said, yeah. He goes, um, and then we're in the jail. Right? We're still doing DUI stuff. And he goes, uh, if we can't find a preacher, would you do our wedding ceremony for us? And I'm like, 
Absolutely. When you get out, here's my card. All right. So yeah, we got a big chuckle out of that. Well, about a month later, guess who calls? This guy calls. He says, hey, can you do our wedding for us? I'm like, absolutely. So I met with them and uh, we ended up and we did, uh, did their wedding ceremony for them and every, everything. And so it's kind of, kind of a fun story and I, I chuckle about it. But then, you know what? I got a letter <clears throat> and, I, and I carry it with me. I got a letter from them after after the, the wedding. And so it was a nice wedding. We had a good time and they were a great couple. And uh, he didn't drive to the wedding, by the way. <clears throat> she drove. Um, but they ended up, uh, they ended up um, moving to Pennsylvania. But then they sent me this card. She goes this. She goes, Dear Mr. Dale Stewart, thank you so much for officiating our marriage. It was such a beautiful ceremony and we are forever grateful that you said yes to marrying us. We really appreciate you taking the time and making sure that everything was what we wanted. It was a huge stressor off our plates. You remind me a lot of my late father. So it was really comforting having you up there with us. In some way, it's like having my father there too. I truly appreciate it and it means more than I can explain. Her father was a um, Episcopalian priest <clears throat> who had died just uh, not even a year before, and uh, uh, you know, and so she didn't have her father to walk her down uh, the aisle that day. And so it's interesting. And I don't, I don't read that card to say I'm anything special because I'm not. But I read that card. The same thing we read about Moses said, God, how God lines things up. I mean, God knew I was going to work a shift for a police department. That a guy was going to run ride down the road drunk. And was going to be speeding. And I was going to be the one to pull him over. I didn't, I didn't know what that was about. That was just a normal fun day. And it was kind of a funny thing that the guy would ask me to do a a wedding for him in the jail. And this young lady's dad was still alive at that point. But God knew what was going to take place in her life. And God lined everything up to say, this is who I need in this place at this time for these people. And so as God calls you to go out in the world, to school and to your jobs... You know, he, he's lining things up for you. Maybe he's given you a vision of a ministry or, or, or uh, something. And maybe you're nervous and say, I don't know all the details. But rest assured, God's lining up all the details. Maybe you are part of the details. That he's working in somebody else's life. And he's asking you, hey, will you just open your eyes to where I'm working at, at your school or at your job or in your neighborhood? And are you willing to just walk across the street or walk across the hallway and just talk to somebody and just be a nice person? Just introduce yourself. You don't have to carry the big Bible. And God will set things up. God's always working. It's just a matter of are we willing to see where he's working and join in with him? This is exciting. It's exciting. You'll have a lot of fun stories to tell. But God lines up the details. And God gets the glory for it. So just a challenge for you today. 
what, uh, what stories has, uh, has God got you for you uh, in the next week, all right, the next year? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for our time here today and for bringing uh, our family back here to, uh, to this family here. Lord, thank you for being a God that uh, can line up all the details. Even when we don't know what's going on and we don't understand, you do. And you've got a plan. And so help us be the kind of people that will just get involved and just say yes and just take that time to, uh, to talk to a friend or talk to a stranger and just, uh, just take time with people. Because we don't know where we line up in your, in your chain of details. But are we willing to be involved? So thank you and, and challenge us this week as we go back to work, back to school of what ministry you have lined up for us, to make disciples, to bring people one step closer to you in their walk. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for good lessons today out of your word. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.